Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I'm your host, Diane Gibbs, and I'm joined by my friend, Wilson Lemieux, and he is in Amarillo or outside of Amarillo, Texas. And Wilson is a filmmaker. He makes commercials. He loves working with designers, and he's a great storyteller. But he also has a great story. And I found Wilson, I think I must have been following you already, and then you posted this um, this story, and the story was, I love the story. So I want you to kind of give them a little bit of the background of that story, and then we're going to get into a little bit about your background. And um, I think that might be one of the videos that we show also. But okay, I'm, I'm just really excited to have you, and I'm excited that we're doing something. Uh, I don't always have filmmakers. I have had some filmmakers on before, but you really are working in our industry, helping us tell our stories. And I think that that's really amazing. So I'm excited to share you with a bunch of people. Well, I'm excited to be here. And so that story in particular, so I'd, I'd been freelance for probably about a month and a half or so. And my son's perception of business was that you go to a big building and there's a lot of people that work for you if you own it or if you're the boss. Um, and I didn't have that, right? It was me. I still don't have a lot of that, but it was me in basically a closet sized office that my, my buddy was letting me use. And um, I had my computer set up and I'd work all day, not so much on client work, but just kind of self-branding, self-marketing stuff that I knew would get out there and, and do well. Um, but I didn't have anybody working for me. And so I think that we'd actually landed one of our earliest clients and, um, <laughs> we had a little bit of money. And, um, so at the time going, taking the family out to eat for Chick-fil-A was like a, like a big deal. We didn't get to do that very often. It's like peanut butter jelly sandwiches there for, for a while. Um, but we're sitting there eating chicken and Madden's eating. He got a mouthful and he says, dad, you should just come work for Chick-fil-A because you could actually hire people. Um, and the photo that Diane is referencing is a picture of my son and I back in January. We just finished shooting um, a Super Bowl commercial uh, for probably the largest employer in Amarillo at the time. I think they have like 700 plus employees and I had about 12 to 15 different people working under me um, from the director of photography, the first AC to the gaffer, PAs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all these people were working with me and um, I'd posted that because, you know, three years, two and a half years after we'd started, I'd actually been able to hire people. And so that's, that's, that's what that picture and, and that's what you're referencing, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So one of the things I love is for people to share, um, be vulnerable, I think, online and to say, hey, we don't always have it all worked out. This is um, part two in a five-part series about scaling your business. And when I first contacted Wilson, he was like, hey, you know, I don't really know if I have a lot to offer. I've only been in business three years. I'm like, but buddy, you've been in three years longer than some people. And I think that it's there's a big difference in actually doing everything yourself and then taking that step and hiring other people. Now, granted, when you're doing the kind of work that you're doing, Wilson, you're directing and you're, you have to have other people that make your work, um, you have to choose experts. But I also think that you've done a good job of sticking with a budget. I wanna show them this first clip. So I'm gonna do something a little um, different because I don't usually switch over. So I'm going from my Yeti mic 
to my computer, but I want to show them this video and then I want, because I want them to get an idea of what all you do. And this is a Vimeo. I will also post it. It'll be in the show notes as well. But all right, let me see if I can do this. I'm going to switch this and let's see if you guys can watch this with me. Okay. Amarillo was the Wild West, land of cowboys and outlaws. It was awesome, but not for us, because we were bankers. They wore holsters and spurs. We had those sharp bow ties. They had six shooters. We had ledgers. 126 years later, the outlaws are gone, but we're still here. Amarillo National Bank. We're boring as hell, but we're here to stay. Anyway, I love that. I love the the ledger. I love that guy. You got to play that guy. Um, hopefully, you guys could see that. If you can, okay. Amy said that's awesome. Thank you, Amy, for letting Thanks, letting us know that you were oops uh -oh. able to see it. It's okay. I cut it now. It's just in my ears, so I've got to stop it. Okay, <laughs> so it doesn't keep going. Um, all right. So tell us a little bit about your history. We just kind of like a. A quick five minute um, how you got and because your story is really kind of neat too and it has to do with uh, basketball so I was I was I think I was sophomore in high school and I'm loved playing football but I'd hurt my back or something like that and didn't get to play and at the time I was dating the uh, basketball head coach his daughter I was dating his daughter and I was like okay, you know what, I'm going to try it for the basketball team. Surely, I mean, I eat dinner at this guy's house every night. Like, we're hanging out. They love me. Surely, like, they'll find a place for me, right? So, first day I go at a tryout and um, can't really dribble or shoot. I'm, like, very bad at, like, moving. Um, and second day is the same song, different verse. But third day, coach, he sits me down and he says, Wilson, you've got a lot of heart. Um, now, if I could take that heart and put it in an athlete, we'd have one hell of a basketball player. And like, I, I, I guess I was supposed to like feel happy about it, but I've got like whole fighting back tears. And he says, well, Wilson, do you want to shoot the basketball games, film the basketball games for us? And um, I got to go with the team and all that kind of stuff. And then 16 year old, 15 year old Wilson, excuse me. Um, that was like amazing. So the first time I'd ever touched the cameras because my girlfriend's dad kicked me off of the team. <laughs> um, and one thing led to another. Um, you know, I grew up in a super low class, um, low income, not a very like functional family. Um, my dad suffers from bipolar and growing up in the nineties, I don't think that they had a lot of answers for that. I still don't think they do. Um, but that wore a lot on me as a kid and, um, I never was anything, um, special in terms of like status and the way kids judge each other. You know, I didn't have a cool dad that did cool stuff. My mom worked as a prison guard and then at like a gas station to make sure that we had everything that we need. And, um, like I didn't want that. Um, I didn't want that at all. And my parents had always told me like, you're in control of where you go and the decisions that you make can, can get you out of, you know, can put you in way better positions than you grew up with. And so I went to West Texas A&M University in Canyon, Texas, and I uh, studied mass communication and eventually studied um, advertising PR and then double emphasized in that as well as 
um, is double emphasized the word anyway. Yeah. Um, doubled in that and then production, right? Like for media, um, was part of some cool advertising teams that went all the way to like nationals and got to pitch big campaigns to like Walmart and Glidden paint as well as like Nissan North America. And I got to meet really big names at some of these big advertising agencies, like the Richards group or, um, you know, BBDO, Shade, and all that kind of stuff. And so that was really, really cool. Um, and then I had a buddy that had a DSLR and I was like, Whoa, you can make pretty all right looking video with this Canon 70. And so we started a business long story short that failed miserably because we were 19. Um, and <laughs> we all thought that we needed equal ownership and none of us had sales skills and, um, our heads on straight. And so, all that being said, it was a lot like that failed. And then I had an internship in New York because of the relationships I had in college radio and advertising. And I was going to like move up there. It was like my dream internship. And that uh, didn't work out because my wife, the day before I left, came and decided that she wanted to be my girlfriend. And I'd chased her for like two years. And I told her, I said, look, I'm going to New York. And I don't want to date you if we're not going to get married. Um, it's just a waste of time. And so she said, okay. And so I went to New York and for two months, talked to her like almost every day on the phone and told my dream job. I didn't want to work there wow. um, because I was coming home to potentially a, like at the time I'm like be a stepdad and a husband to Heather. And then now I'm full dad because we finalized that adoption with Madden. But, um, and that's the Chick-fil-A boy, by the way. <laughs> but uh, so I came back and got the first job I could because I was going to get married. And, and in my opinion, it's my job to provide for my family, period. And so I got a job as a bank equipment director or bank equipment marketing director for a bank equipment company. Um, and I was tasked to, tasked to like make ATMs cool um, and like pneumatic tube systems and um, did okay, right? Um, but like hated it and found out that we were pregnant with Nora, which is our second middle child. Um, and I don't know what got in me. If I were to do this now, I don't think I would have ever taken the risk. Hmm. Um, knowing what I know now, but I was so blissfully ignorant and determined to like, okay, if I'm going to go out on my own, I'm not going to fail because that's embarrassing. And because of social media, everybody knows um, and I'm just going to make the biggest deal out of it. I can and celebrate every single soul, small success that I have. Mm. Um, and so I thought I'm about to have a kid and this is how a lot of people, um, that I've seen, they like kind of give up on that dream. Mm. Um, whether that's a right or wrong thing, I think that depends on the person, but anyhow, I was like, here's my chance. I'm going to go do it. And I'm going to use the fact that my back, back is against the wall to try to make this work. And I had one Canon 60 and a tripod and like a crappy set of lights and started doing whatever I could to make it happen. But Heather was also super supportive oh, of absolutely. you, right? Yeah. So she was like, yeah. yes, go for it. Yeah. She's like, yeah, yeah, do it, do it, Wilson. And so like, even now we, we have this conversation all the time. It's like, I would never have done that having the wisdom I have now. <laughs> right. I would have been like, no way. Um, and th I think it's just because as you get older, I mean, it's like, what, what did they say? It's like 10 year olds learn faster than adults do because they just accept things as fact. Um, they don't try to count in all of the different variables. I think now that I know that there are so many different variables, um, it would hinder me. 
Um, but going in as ignorant and as hopeful as I did and just trying to will myself to victory, um, it kind of happened that way. Um, I'm super blessed that it did. Um, and now we're about to buy a house in a nice little neighborhood in Amarillo and, um, business and, is going great. And, and that spot that you did was the, it was a regional spot during the Super Bowl, which was really, it's big. That's a really big deal. It's the biggest thing I've ever done. So, so the other thing that was really cool that I thought, um, in just doing research on you was that that bank chose to hire local talent and you really do believe in, in local as well. So, because so this is a this is a hard hard part for a lot of designers it, um, or people who are freelancing. They wear a whole bunch of hats, just like you did, and many many you know, just like Madden was saying to you, maybe Dad, you should work at Chick Fil A, and then you could hire people. But it, I mean, I understand there's this just truth from his lips because he doesn't understand. But it, at the same time, you were working so much, and I think that so many of these designers that are here today can totally relate to that. Uh, I know Josh has three kids. Brian has three kids. Um, Maria has five, so she's got us all beat. But, you know, it's it's that juggling and then trying to do run a business on the other, on the other side. And so yeah. for you in these three years, because you were like, well, I don't know if I can add. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, yes, you, you can. Because sometimes we just don't look back enough to see all that we've accomplished. But when was the point where you started hiring people? Um, and I think this is further on down in my questions, but when was the point where you were hiring someone regularly? Because sometimes it's about relationships. You know, it's finding people to work with you to do a certain thing, but it's also knowing people because you had to get somebody to make that ledger. Somebody had to do the set for that awesome commercials to make it look like it was back then right mm -hmm. so how do you how do you find that and those people I guess you know at what point in your three years in were you able to really kind of make some of those leaps and not have to do everything on your own so I don't know if it's like this everywhere else but and there are a lot of times like where Amarillo um, can kind of like seclude itself from others because the client pool isn't necessarily as big as it would be in a place like Dallas or Austin or New York or Charlotte or, or whatever. And so like the willingness to collaborate a lot of times is not there. And I'm, I'm guilty of that as well. Um, but really the first time on a big scale I'd ever brought a lot of people on a project was the boring as hell video. And all that being said, I haven't had one as big as that again yet. Um, we've got some things in the pipeline, hopefully, that will change that. Um, but really this year, I've really started taking the funds that I've been able to get from projects and really trying to reinvest that into um, my business. Um, and like Michael Scott from the office says, you know, I'm in the business of people and people never go out of business. Um, and film in particular, like there are a lot of really good video guys. There are a lot of really good dudes that can take their DSLR and make some amazing stuff. Um, and, you know, if I'm put in a position where I have to do that, I'm, I mean, I can do that as well. Um, but film, the process of film is like, is a lot like just the, like, like a dance, right? It's, it's really, 
Like, I mean, it ebbs and flows and this thing more so than I think any other medium can speak to some person. Um, and it's, you have on average 24 pictures in a second to tell a story over however many seconds you've got. Mm -hmm. And uh, each picture has to count. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I would hate to have all of that responsibility. And I've had that all that responsibility before. And what I've learned is that I can step away from holding the camera or the lights and work on the relationship with the client or work on just the direction, my relationship with talent, um, et cetera, to make something look really, really, really good. And I would rather work with a bunch of people and spend that money to make something that looks great because had this commercial sucked, Diane, I could have made a lot of money and done it all on my own and I probably wouldn't be on your show, right? <laughs> like, oh, this, this, this video sucks. This guy's a joker. Um, and so I've just, I've learned that I'm, I don't want to be that one man band. Mm -hmm. Um, and to answer your actual question about how did I find all of these people? Um, Jared, the DP, I uh, met at circles conference. What's DP director of photography. Okay. And so he's the one who handled the camera uh, and framed everything up based on what he and I had talked about. And so I'd met Jared, the director of photography at uh, um, Circles Conference in mm -hmm. Dallas. I guess it's grapevine. My first year kind of as freelance and like this is phenomenal. If you guys don't know who he is, look up Jared Hogan. He's like, he's, I hate to sound like a hipster, but like, I, I'm so glad that I know him before he's making feature films because he's the real deal. Um, and so I met Jared at Circles and I met Blake who came in. And I, I don't know if you got to see the behind the scenes video we did, um, mm -hmm. but Blake is a guy that I, I've known in the film community in Amarillo um, for some time. And he came in and brought in a lot of grip and electric, which is basically lighting equipment um, and like small things that I didn't think I would need or knew I would need. And then Gunner, who is in some of those pictures that you've sent um, out, he's kind of my go-to director of photography here in Amarillo. We work on a lot of projects together. He served as the guy, which is just like the lighting guy who mm -hmm. kind of helps to shape the light. Um, and then we have a really good relationship with the university that I graduated from, West Texas A&M. And so I give back a lot of uh, money and time back to that organization because I feel like it's my obligation to send that elevator back down. And so mm. when I said, hey guys, I need to borrow some people and some gear, there was no question. Right. And so it was like, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then come talk about it to, at school. And so I got to do that. And, um, you know, you, you kind of build a brand around yourself through social media and people talking about you locally. And so we kind of put out a call for people to come help. And they did the set designer, Bella just graduating college this year. I'm actually speaking at her graduation about stuff like this. Saturday. Um, <laughs> That's cool. My life. Um, but and so it's all of it comes with relationships and that's not just, mm -hmm. that's not subject to just film. That's not subject to just creativity. That's not subject to just, you know, any industry relationships are vital. Um, and I've always kind of been good at that. I, I like making friends. I like talking. Mm -hmm. um, I like being around people that or easy to be around, hard to be around. It doesn't matter. I just like being able to form those kind of relationships. And that's what's propelled me. It hasn't necessarily been the work. Um, the work is, is cool and fun and good enough in a lot of ways. Um, but what really sells us is um, me, I guess, and kind of who I am and the relationships I've been able to build with people. And, you know, I've always 
thought and heard that like one bad customer is three is, is as good as three non-existent mm. ones. And so um, we work really hard on from start to finish, having a really solid branded experience for our clients, whether that's um, just getting a proposal or is it finished product, right? We want them to remember Lemieux company. And luckily that name's not so common outside of right. like hockey. So a lot of people, it kind of sticks with them. And so, um, that's what's gotten us here. I hope that I'm not veering off or no, this is great. So, so for me, I think that you're saying some, um, huge things of truth and wisdom. One is that you reinvested in your company. And I want to ask you some more questions about that. But two was that you're, you were able to step back and see where you might not have been the best dribbler, right. Or the best mm -hmm. shooter, and you could step back and see what you could do to add and grow because you realized that your skill set was different. And it was really important, that skill set. Like when it was you and your two other buddies, I think, um, when you were younger, when you were 19, mm -hmm. nobody was a salesperson. Not that you are selling, but now you're able to talk about what you're able to do. And if it's just Wilson, Wilson alone is only able to do so much. And I love that about, and I don't know if that was in something I read or something that I watched, but there was um, something that you had said that was specifically catered in that way that you said, I knew other people could probably could do this better. So I stepped back and let them really kind of shine so mm -hmm. that then your company could do better because now you were using everybody's talents. And I think sometimes people forget that the talent of relationships and building relationships and being able to work with all kinds of people is really critical for success. Right. And I mean, if even in the design world, I think one of the questions you've sent over and I don't want to hop ahead, but you talk about there's a lot of movements in video and it's not like design, um, I think is the way it worded. But I would argue that the best design is very collaborative. Um, and you look at like old, we just finished um, a video for uh, a company called Lim, which is a design firm based out of Houston. And Linda's been doing this for 35 years. Linda Lim is the one that owns it. When she started, she was by herself, but she didn't print everything off back then. Right. She sent it to a printer and that printer would say, Hey, you've got some stuff that's maybe too curly or too something here. That's going to make the printing process very difficult. And you look at like even banners, my buddy, uh, two, two doors down owns a print shop. And we talk about all the time that like, why are people doing so many colors? Why is like, like when you print decals, like you don't want all these swirly things because that makes it so incredibly difficult. And then that they like uh, for the incline, it costs so much more, et cetera. But you look at some of the best design and I'm, I'm positive it's collaborative. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like not someone's not, there's not five different mouses going in and kerning the different letters, obviously, right. but it's pretty collaborative. And if like you think that like Shepard Fairey is painting every single mural, or designing every single thing that comes out of Obey, that's ridiculous. Shepard Ferry is like, his job is, should be to be on TV and to talk to these big retailers and these big companies in terms of getting his product out. He should not. Right, I'm sure he's making some good content and stuff. <laughs> And he's not always, ooh, is my internet bad? Am I breaking up? It's okay. We, we got you back. You're talking now. I hear you. Okay. Anyway, just to that point, 
like, yes, video is a very collaborative effort, but I think that most creative creativity is, or at least should be. So you talked about like, was her name Bella or Becca? Bella. Bella. So you talked about, so she, um, sometimes one of the best ways is to get some young talent. One, they're hungry. They also don't cost maybe as much. They may take direction, but they don't have the experience that you, you might need. Obviously your, uh, Jared Hogan, director of photography, he had the experience, but there were some other areas that you could kind of guide a little bit more with, um, you could look at what their portfolio was and then see. And I think maybe um, Bella, I keep, I don't know why yeah, I can't Bella. remember. So Bella, Bella yeah, Bella, I'm going to write it down so I don't forget. Um, so Bella was a, what were you able to see? Because I think that that's something that maybe we're, we're discounting is that maybe we could use some younger talent at times in our businesses so that yes, it is going to take a little bit more time, but once you have them trained, the way that you want it designed or the way you want it, the, the feel, then you can really, you come collaborate and then you sh let her go do her thing. And then you let some, you do whatever else. So how do, how did you decide on Bella and, well, and why? Set designers in Amarillo are very slim pickings, right? Um, but um, I had a mentor growing up through college who owns a coffee shop in Amarillo. His name's Patrick Burns, who scaled it from one coffee shop to four in seven years. And he's going through like a million and a half dollars worth of coffee every year. Um, Google Palace Coffee. Um, and so I'm Patrick, I've known Patrick for seven years now, and he's kind of seen me grow. And I ran into him at a get together and I said, Hey, do you know? And Patrick's heavily involved in the theater in Everillo. And I said, Hey, do you know any set designers that I could get to work from me? Maybe like on the cheap, right? Because I like we're spending so much money on camera and, and crew that I don't have necessarily somebody that's willing to be able to like, I can't necessarily pay a, a big time set designer out of Dallas. And he said, Bella Barnett and Bella works for Patrick and is getting a degree. She graduates Saturday from WT. And so, um, I said, Hey Bella, can you build a set for me? And hadn't seen squat that <laughs> she'd made, um, but had a good idea, right? We had a really good Pinterest board in terms of like, okay, we're wanting to make this look like 1892. A lot of what we drew inspiration from, even though it was the date was a little bit different, was Peaky Blinders mm -hmm. um, and Westworld. Both of those were two heavily influencing factors into this project. Um, and that building that we found is an actual building. The like where we shot the banker, a hundred percent everything that was in there was in there, except for like the desk and the flags. Um, that room, even the um, the, the buffalo. buffalo. Wow. Mm -hmm. The buffalo was there. That was like did I she scout that, or did you? We did. We both did. So okay. um, interesting, and like everything worked together. It was a lot of luck, and I think that most people in this group will know um, that a lot of this comes down to luck. Um, and I'm a your is your mom in here? Yes. I'm a lucky <laughs> son of a gun. Um, <laughs> like I, I, my dad used to say, it could be, it could be. Uh, rain and poop outside and I could get a rose on my nose. And so this is one of those situations where that happened. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, the bank hired us. The bank also owned this building. Um, and I said, Hey, we need something that's going to look old. And the marketing director, Ton said, 
I know where to go look. So we, she gave us a tour and we had one spot picked out that would have been trash compared to this room. And she said, well, come here. There's this hallway you haven't seen. So we walked down the hallway and I opened the door and it was like the glory of like heaven just like shined. La, 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 la. And like, it was all right there. Beautiful. And I said, this is it. Like, I don't need to see anything else. Um, and then what Bella did was make it more than just a room. Right. So mm -hmm. Bella found the desk, Bella got the flags, Bella dressed the set with everything that we needed the map. I mean, Bella did all of the hard work while we were out shooting day one in the Canyon with the cowboy. Mm -hmm. Um, so who chose the outfit for the cowboy and shoes and the holster and the gun and things like that? So Rob Ricotta um, was our actor. He was the cowboy. Um, Rob is probably – Rob and Jared were the two biggest deals on this spot. Um, Jared is, like I said, very accomplished director of photography. Rob Ricotta does voice work for Audi, BMW, Mercedes-Benz um volvo huge brands he's done a lot of work for i'm pretty sure he's even been paid to like read the entire bible um out loud uh it's just a really big deal and rob and i've been friends for about a year and a half now but when he saw that i was looking for a set designer right um he noticed i'd reference peaky blinders and westworld and he said i'm i want to be in this I, I want to be i want to be in this commercial and so he agreed to come down and he, he brought um, that jacket. He brought his vest. I mean, Rob's like an actor, and he has a lot of friends that have a lot of cool stuff. And so he brought most of that down. The hat Bella found and the chaps. This is going to – do we have time for me to tell the story about the yeah. chaps? Okay, so Bella, when we were looking for things to help make this cool, um, Bella knows somebody in Canyon, which is like 15 miles outside of Amarillo, who owns, I think it's like the largest collection of spurs in the country or world. Um, something like that. That's what he says. Uh, you don't have to believe him. Um, but anyway, we walk into this Western store and Rob sees these chaps. And this is what's so amazing. Like I'm telling you, it's just luck. Um, these are $700 chaps that are not like just brand new. They're like some cowboy like rodeo superstar had these and this old man who's like every bit of 75 80 years old owns the shop and you know he didn't care if anything gets sold that's just what he does now you know he just has his country store on the square in this small town this is like his life um so anyway rob says hey wilson ask him if we can use these chaps and i'm like no way and he said just do it so i walk up to the door this old man asked i asked him i said hey can we use these chaps for doing a commercial and he said write your phone number down um i'm gonna let you do them but i need them by the end of the day tomorrow or i'm calling the police wow <laughs> but in west texas it's what's very interesting about this kind of area and i don't know if it's like that everywhere and it might be you're you're from alabama but um it's like people will give you this chance to not screw up, but you get one shot, you know? And so he gave me one shot and that spot would have been not nearly as cool without those chaps. And it was literally by circumstance. And Rob just said, please go ask this man. You're so the director. Go do it, this. it sounds like with Bella, it was, um, you found your old teacher or a mentor and he uh -huh. gave, so it was trust. Trust had been built um, with him, so you were able to trust him because you knew him, 
-hmm. He said Bella was the best. So you chose Bella without looking at her work. Same thing with, um, with the actor. He said, Hey, just go ask, you know, it, it could just be that. And you didn't know this, the man who owned the store. Right. But Mm -hmm. again, it was building trust. And again, it goes back to that relationship building and, because the next time you need something, now you can go back to him if you need something similar. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. So it, no, no, it's okay. I already told him about saying ma'am to me. That's why he's apologizing. All right. So finding the rest of those people. So how, um, when you, when you have a big director of photography and a big actor, how do you, um, get your contracts and all that stuff? Is that something that falls on your, um, your shoulders or was there somebody else involved that was looking over that stuff for y'all? So you're talking about like actual paperwork in terms of getting the job and stuff done, all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I uh, take, so I, I have a really, really, really good relationship with Amarillo national. Now um, when we first started, I had, um, I had a lawyer friend help me draft up a contract um, that is like, is by no means like, the best, but it, it would like help me at least for right. people to take me seriously. Um, but I take huge pride in my proposal process and my proposal. Like I have a certain type of paper that I printed on. Mm. I have a certain type of format that they're all like a template that they're all based off of all the margins are correct. So these designer friends will be like, you go dude. But <laughs> like, I'm, it's, it's so like, I mean, like it goes in its own full values based off of there is a perceived value comes from weight and can you hear me diane can you see me are we doing okay yeah okay um and so that sales process whether that's the way my website looks like with i which i think is like kind of like a digital weight right like there's such a such a value in good design that i think visually carries weight um everything that we try to do from the very first time someone experiences Lemieux company until again the final product there has to be some kind of meatiness weight to it um because even in amarillo you've got you know videographers or storytellers people that call themselves that there are a dozen and a lot of these designer friends it's like okay because you have illustrator does not make you a designer right right? but there's so much noise out there and so many people can be heard so much more than they ever been able to. You have to be able to differentiate yourself in different ways than just production. I've had clients say like, you're not the best looking video that we got, but your sales process and your attention to detail and your willingness to have that conversation is what got you the job. And I'll by no means tell anybody here that like I'm some phenomenal director. Um, I think that we do work that's solid, right? And I'm proud of by any means. I'm not saying that we're crap. <laughs> right, right. But what I mean is that, you know, we do the best work that we can. Um, but what keeps people coming back is the relationship and the experience they have. It's fun and it should be fun. Um, right. And a lot of people look at creative work and rightfully so. It's very stressful, right? And when you're spending thousands or tens of thousands of dollars behind a brand or a video or things that are going to last a long time, like every word should be counted for something. But at the same time, like this is way better than working somewhere else. Right. Right. So uh, let it be fun because people are hiring you to take their problems away. Period. Mm -hmm. We're in a service industry or service based industry. And so we, our job should be to serve the client. And part of that service is to make it fun, at least in my opinion. So, 
So going back to in the beginning when you were just starting out and take us maybe through this stage, um, how important was it for you to know what the job entails? Like I know you said in the beginning, you're like, if I had to look back and I knew what I know now, I would have not probably done this because hindsight's twenty twenty. But there was something that, you know, I know that there have been plenty of times for me as a designer, somebody said, hey, can you do this? And I had no idea how to do it, but I knew I could figure it out. Is that something, it sounds like that's something that's always been in your life, like from the get-go, even from the basketball thing. You were like, I'm going to try out. I'm dating his daughter. What can I, you know, how can no, I not I, win? <laughs> yeah, well, I can tell you why you, you're not an athlete, but yeah, I get you. <laughs> Um, so there's been several times, um, even recently, right? Where it's like, yeah, I just do it for this much. And then it's like, so it used to be not even too very long ago. It was like, I can go and I can set up some lights and I have my gear. That's like good enough. Right. Um, we can this happen and look good and kind of rest on your ability to edit and fix some stuff. Um, can you hear me? Is it bad? Yeah. Yeah, okay. it's okay. Uh, anyway, um, it wasn't too long ago that like I would bid stuff and it really wouldn't matter because like most creatives, the 100% of it, if you don't count the time you put in, is profit, right? There's very little overhead. Um, but since we've done the Boring as Hell commercial, um, it's really pushed me to bring the like bring it bring it bring it so for the past several projects i've hired a dp and i've hired a gaffer and i've hired um like the equipment or i've rented the equipment necessarily to start making things look more than just a guy with like a dslr right mm -hmm. um and with that has come growing pains and we bid stuff that's higher than we used to bid stuff but it hadn't been bid high enough um you know, I would never tell a client that, right. right? but you have to learn the hard way. Um, right. I can remember I did my first video for $600. Um, <coughs> and just, it was just me and a DSLR and I spent like 30 hours on it and so proud of it and looking back at it. Like that's a, it's a good video. Right. Um, but now when you put that up against something like boring as hell or some stuff that's going to come out later, um, there's a difference between video work in my opinion and film work consists of a lot of people pushing toward a singular goal that are all special specializing in a certain part of that production. Um, and with that's come in time and just being able to have the brand that's trusted by a client that has maybe a 70,000, hundred thousand dollar budget, which we've got nowhere close to yet, but having that brand and client list and work list that can prove that we can handle that type of money to make something that you need. Um, and that's coming with time. And again, I know that, you know, I've only been doing this for three years, but at the same time we've come a long way there. And so I know that if I play my cards right, we'll get to that position to where we can get those types of jobs. It just takes, I need to meet the right person and I need them to give me the right amount of money. Uh, well, and it also sounds like you're reinvesting in the business. So when, cause uh, Bill last week also talked about that he, when he would get um, you know, there's some, thing about the plan, right? You know, to get to the next stage, to be able to get the next bid, to be able to do this, you have to have either the right team people on board or you have to have some equipment. And you may be in the equipment phase right now. And so how do you know what's the next thing you're gonna invest, turn around and invest the uh, invest money that the business is getting? How do you know what to 
Do you know what I'm asking? Yeah, yeah. How do you know when to invest in people as opposed to equipment? Right. Um, always invest in people, period. First, think of people first. It comes back in droves. Um, you need the equipment to make it happen, but invest in a relationship because odds are you can get that equipment cheaper that way. Um, in film, there are a lot of people that are dedicated to just being directors of photography, right? And so a lot of those guys will actually own their own camera. I know a guy that's super talented DP out of Louisiana who just bought a $60,000 camera body, right? Um, and it's what we use to shoot A and B's boring as hell. It's what they use to shoot. Like, have you guys seen um, Childish Gambino's latest video? This is America. Oh, wow, man. But they shot, I mean, this, that kind of stuff is what they're shooting these big things on, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what they shot This is America on, but that's irrelevant. But um, we just invested in um, a red camera, which is like a super, it's like a very entry level red camera. Um, What's that mean red? Red is a brand, right? Oh. So I, I didn't design, I don't know. I don't know what the equivalent would be at all. I don't know if there is an equivalent in there. I mean, I don't know, but red is a, so there's two major, there's two or three different major companies and red is one of them in film. Um, they were kind of the pioneers on digital cinema. Um, so, um, all that being said, we've invested in that. And the next thing I need to invest in is like better lights to make that happen. Mm -hmm. But instead of investing in all that gear up at once, I've invested in people that I know own their own lighting rigs. Mm. Um, and that can come and work for cheaper than me buying the lights and then paying somebody to come run those lights. And so that's why I said invest in people first, at least in what I'm doing, because Right now, it's an interesting time for me in my career, and there's a lot of up-and-coming guys that are just like me that are all trying to make it and are all willing to work for cheap to be able to get those opportunities to show these people that we could do better right. work. Um, and so investing in those relationships, you have a lot of guys that own this equipment that is like, hey, I, I just need to have something to be able to pay for stuff this week, so can I hop on board with you and make something cool because we also have a video that we can show off. Um, so there are times I think that it's better for me as a company and I could go into like, I, I Lemieux company for the longest time and then all intents and purposes is still just me. Um, but, um, I would have rather called it that than just Wilson Lemieux, the video person, right? because the perception already automatically changes. So for new clients that have never met us before or met me before I own a company and that's a very vague term, but that means that there's more than one person. And so that when I call all of my contract buddies to come help me, they all wear the same t-shirt and, um, and for all intents and purposes, it's the same, you know what right, I mean? So right. it's like I'm a company and we're all working together and no one asks questions. So, so like if you're working with Jared a lot, um, the director of photography for the boring as hell commercial, if you're working with him or Bella or something, um, you had a great relationship. They worked really well on the past project. Do you, cause sometimes things are really tight time wise. Do you contact them really early and say, Hey, could you do this project with me? And then you kind of know, and you're expecting them to bid it out to you so mm -hmm. that you know what this project would cost on their end. Mm -hmm. um, how does that kind of work? Because I'm, I'm thinking that this is a really big barrier for a lot of designers at, in the growth process is mm -hmm. to actually not do everything themselves and to actually hire people who are really good at that, who are specializing in certain things. So, what 
how do you get to that stage? And I guess with, I know you, you've kind of explained how you got to the stage, but how do you get, um, is it a thing that you're like, Hey, and you just try to get on their calendar or that like with Bella, she was just graduating. So she had more free time, but like with Jared, he's doing this and working as a pro uh, professionally as a director of photography. Do you get on his schedule? Do you get him to give you a bid and then you stick so, to that bid? Interesting. Like I've known Jared for a little bit. We haven't, we, we, we weren't very tight before the commercial by any means. Um, but Jared is, you know, off doing his thing. And I'd actually reached out to somebody before I reached out to Jared and they kept taking the time. I gave him a whole mm -hmm. day and I said, Hey, we've got to move fast. What's it going to cost to get you here? Um, and they didn't really, they're like, yeah, I'm interested and I'll talk to you in a minute. And they didn't get back to me. And so I just sent Jared an email kind of like, please God work. Um, and Jared said like emailed me within seconds back. was like, Hey, I can be there. Um, a lot of times you have to get them on, get on, like get them on your schedule. Sometimes you have to be able to move fast and move quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, sometimes like with this spot, they talked to us the Friday before Christmas about me directing the spot for them. I bid it out so fast and didn't like, had no idea how much this thing was going to cost and bid it just said here, this is what I think it'll take to make it having no idea what Jared's day rate was, having no idea how much stuff I was going to have to rent having no idea how much, lunch cost for 15 different people all these things that i never figured into the bid and we still made a profit but like i should have known what i was walking into but <clears throat> the biggest thing that we work off of is is is, is contract for hire right mm -hmm. so work for hire type of agreement to where your job is to work on this job for me at this time um, and once it's done, you get paid and you can leave. You know so is I mean? there half, they're not asking for half up front? Oh, no. We, yeah. One thing that I make sure to do is half up front. And that's the way we work with any of our clients is it's a 50% deposit um, down. Um, and then another 50 once you're happy with the project. And there's So then can, what about your contractors? Are you giving them 50% up front? Okay. Mm -hmm. Same. Um, sometimes a lot of guys in the film industry will actually go ahead and say, Hey, just, I'm going to send you the simple way. We'll keep it at a net 30. And once you get paid, go ahead and send it to me. And mm -hmm. um, that requires a lot of trust. Um, and you have to really be able to trust somebody there. Um, but Jared came down, I paid him before he ever left in full. Um, because A and B was good to us that way. And we have that good relationship, but generally it's $50 or 50% down payment on the project. And then another 50% once it's finished. Um, and we have a good enough relationship with a lot of the guys that work with us to where that they, they know we're going to pay them. They know they're going to get paid. They know they're going to get taken care of. Um, and that's, I would encourage anybody wanting to um, branch out or looking to hire more people is pay yourself last. Mm -hmm. And it should always be 51% to your contractors and 49% to yourself. Like never, never try to take as much money as you absolutely can try to make, like really focus on pouring into these people that are pouring into your brand because it's yours. Like these people that have volunteered their time to where, yes, they do a good job, but the attention does not come back to them. It comes back to, in my case, love you company. So it doesn't matter if Jared was the DP and Gunner was the gaffer. I was the director. Right. right. And hopefully one day down the line, It'll be, you know, Wilson was, or Lemieux company was the production company and all Wilson had to do was sell it, but it's Wilson's video. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so those kind of things. 
in underbidding, so, so that's a big problem when we're trying something new. Mm -hmm. um, if we haven't attacked something, how do you just know that there's going to be some of that and you do a 20% over what you thought? Or are you just like, oh, poo, I forgot about lunch or whatever? Yeah, well, in the case of A and B, uh, and by no means like very happy with everything that went into that and how everybody was taken care of. But it was just, there were so many different things that I did not think of mm -hmm. that typically you can put, you know, onto the client. Like that's, that's fine. Like client needs to take care of craft services. Client needs to take care of a X. Um, but I didn't even think about lunch. Like how ridiculous was that? I was so worried about image and making sure this commercial went well and going through shot sheet and making sure everybody was on set that I didn't even think about lunch and the day, like day one going down into the canyon at a, stop at a grocery store and pick up some bread and some sandwich to eat, right? And that's like, you don't want to do that. Number one rule, regardless of budget, period, your crew needs to eat very well, period. If not, um, then they're, they're not going to want to work for you. They don't right. want to be around you. Um, there's so much that goes into being a director. Um, and then me not understanding that I probably should have hired a producer, right? Mm. Which is another thousand dollars a day over four days, right? That makes sure that they're um, getting everything in line for us. So I don't have to worry about ordering lunch or so I don't have to worry about spending too much time on, a, on set. Any one of those kind of things. Did you have a mentor or do you have a mentor? I mean, I know your teacher was kind of acted in that role for you, but did, was there somebody else that you could look to and say, Hey, what have I missed on this bid? Or are you just kind of learning it as you go? The, so it depends. So I, I had a, I had a business mentor for sure. Um, when I got started and he helped me, you know, said like would teach me to like not talk so much like in meetings or, um, knowing when to like not being afraid to bid out of your comfort zone um, and being able to sit in that pocket and even be willing to walk away from an opportunity because you're trying to establish yourself as costing or being worth that amount of money. Mm -hmm. um, but I had another mentor. My first job was at that bank equipment company and where I learned how to do proposals. Um, Matt West was uh, a huge mentor for me in terms of teaching me that like mediocrity breeds like or for lack of a better term, just like if you're mediocre, you suck. Like I can't think of what it was. But our mediocrity breeds a difference, right? Mm. So like if you're doing creative work and you do it haphazardly or you're not trying your best, people will see that. Mm -hmm. um, I think that goes across the board, not just in creativity. Um, but uh, he was very meticulous in terms of margins and font size and those kind of things. Like it drove me nuts. Um, but it's proven to be one of my like biggest takeaways and right differentiators really right because it's your attention no. attention uh, to detail and when i hired jared so jared's actually a pretty well known director he doesn't necessarily serve as a dp um he's you know he's wanting to be known as a director um and i knew that when i hired him um because i'd never worked on a set that, that was that big before and so i said jared i'm gonna pay you to come down here and i want you to dp but at the end of every day I want you at the beginning of every day. I want you to give me some tips. And at the end of the every day, I want you to give me some feedback. Hmm. And so he coached, uh, he coached me kind of through this directing thing and said, if you're wanting to be a director, you need to do this. And you know, it was super valid. And for me, because like I've looked up at this guy for a long time, just from seeing his work. And he said, you know, like you can do this. You're good enough to do something like this. Um, you just need like, these are some little things that like you would never think about. And then it's proven very helpful. Uh, 
So what do you think has been one of your best character traits? I think I know the answer. Um, Character traits that has helped you keep at it and not stop because failure wasn't an option. Well, I just, I, uh, I don't want to say I grew up with nothing because I, I didn't, but I was very, very low, low income. And I watched my mother work very, very hard, um, for my little brother and I, um, to be able to have what we had. Um, and I never wanted my wife, um, to have to work that hard. Hmm. Um, I never wanted my kids to have to do any of those things. Um, and I, and regardless of if it's right or not, and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to act like I'm St. Wilson or anything like that, but like I was tired of being a nobody in the eyes Hmm. of, and who knows if it was in anybody's eyes, it was in my eyes. This is the way Hmm. I saw myself as Lemieux. And the reason it's called Lemieux Company is because Lemieux was not a name that carried any weight at all. Um, where I grew up, I was seen as this kid with a dad that had a mental illness that nobody understood that took too many prescription medications to get out of that. Um, and with a mom that was a firecracker and worked really hard and wouldn't let anybody tell her mm. something that she didn't want to hear. You know what I mean? And so, um, I didn't want that for my family. Um, and I wanted to be able to do like, like by God, Lemieux going to mean something for mm-hmm. like, that is what this has been for so long. And my dad told me like, like my parents, my dad didn't teach me a lot, but he taught me how important it was to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom showed me what hard work looks like and you don't quit until it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cool thing, uh, still not done. You know what I mean? And I think that, Oh, the, how much did you lose there? Have you lost anything? Because it just popped up that my internet connection's unstable. Yeah, say that again. So it was uh, the thing your dad taught you that you had to work hard. Mm-hmm. And, then, okay. and your mom showed you that it was hard work. And you don't quit until it's done. And what's interesting is that I'm still not done. And I don't know when done's going to mm-hmm. be, but I don't feel like I'm in a place to where it can just be done. Um, Do you know what success is for you, Wilson? What is that? How do you define that? Um, I don't have a huge definition of success. I try to succeed. Um, I try to celebrate every small success. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easier to keep going that way. Um, well, then that's when you'll know you're done. I think if you have a definition for success, I think, and I don't think success has to be me and uh, Josh Lewis were talking about this earlier today about that definition for success is, is very different than maybe what our parents definition for success or. Well, and I, I think if you look at it, like I'm about to buy a house in right. a nice neighborhood in Amarillo, like, yes, that is success. And I think that if you look at um, the growth in sales, that is definitely a sign of success. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to ask me if I've made it, I would say what 19 year old Wilson thought was making it. Heck Yeah. But I can tell you right now, I was 22 years old. I got my first job at Smith Hamilton, and they took us out to eat at, like, this, I guess what was called Papado's, right? Mm-hmm. And they bought us all alligator and shrimp, and it was the first time that I'd ever had a meal that expensive. And I went outside, and I called my dad and said, I've made it. I was getting paid $32,000 a year. That was more than both of my parents had made my entire time growing up. And at that time, I thought I'd made it, right? And so right here, 
I think I've made it. So the next stop is like, I want to get the big, big brand like Emerald National Bank is that I've succeeded. That was one of my huge goals when I first started Mm -hmm. was to get Emerald National Bank and to do something like that. Now it's like, okay, how can we get like Raising Cane's Chicken or Mm -hmm. uh, like um, a bigger brand like that? Then I'll have made it for this amount of time. I think that if you have some ultimate huge goal, right now making a feature film is not on my radar. Right, right. Um, there's some things that I'd like to do in terms of like being a short, but like, and Jared and I had this conversation was like, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to make bad, really cool ads. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want to make some really cool looking advertising. And he says, every filmmaker I talk to, they want to make a movie and they don't know why. And I said, mm. why? Like, I don't want to make a movie. I want to make something because here's the thing. You watch a movie once and you're probably done. You'll watch an ad 35,000 times, whether you want to or not. People will remember that ad more than they will remember things. And that comes back to, I want to be known for something. And so right now I'm as successful as I could foresee myself being. Now, do I have a two year, three year goal? Yeah. I want it to be to where eventually we have six different videos going on at once. I'm directing one of them and have a crew of people doing the other three Mm -hmm. and I'm still making, you know, 20, 30% off of every one of those videos just because I facilitated those connections. Um, that is like, that would be amazing. Um, but right now it's like, okay, I've got a video for a company called 10 up in Jackson hole, Wyoming next month. Um, and we better knock it out of the park. So the one thing is that I want to make sure people know is that you're not just regional. You will travel to go. Oh, yeah. You're not just doing Amarillo. No, um, yeah, no. Amarillo cannot sustain, I think. Right. Well, I, I, it did for like a year and a half, but um, I'm more ambitious than just Amarillo. And that's not saying anything bad about Amarillo. I love this. I love this town. I love this home. But like in order for me to be able to get the kind of clients I want to, I can't just stay here. Um, but In March, the end of March, we were in LA, the beginning of what's after March, April, um, we were in like 90 miles south in a town called Lubbock. So Texas Tech, Fight Raiders Fight, that's where they're at. Um, And then we were in Houston. We're going to Jackson Hole um, next month. We're coming back and doing a spot for A and B. And then we're headed to um, Tyler, Texas for some stuff. We're probably going to go to Denver for a conference video and then we're headed to um well, so how, how long in advance would somebody need so say there was a conference and they wanted you to do it how how much in advance and then would they need to contact you and then how much in advance would if it's just a commercial how much um you know how much time would somebody need to be able to give you to make um, something cool yeah or to get ready oh it just depends so like <clears throat> the shot now this thing in LA we knew about in December right um the thing in Houston I knew about in December the thing in Lubbock I knew about two weeks before it was going to happen and we <laughs> had to schedule it in between and it's the best video this organization has ever had and this is not bragging on us it's just what happened like they loved it I mean it's 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 a cool deal um and we knew about it two weeks and so sometimes under pressure helps because mm. you you have to focus um but the A and B commercial, we literally, it was December like 22nd is when I got asked if we'd do it. We had the storyboard, everything ready to go by January 5th. We shot it. It was delivered uh, like January 12th to the client. 
And it wow. was the best thing I've ever done. And literally they handed me the script. They said, this is what we're going to go with. Can you make it happen? And the reason we jumped into it is because they trusted me, mm. right? Um, if, if there's somebody here that works at an agency or for a company or something like that, and you're going to put me amongst like four or five different people, like it might take a little bit longer. Or if you want to do the smart thing and just hire me now, then like we can get it taken care of. No, I'm kidding. But um, <laughs> like it, it just depends. We can make something quick, fast and in a hurry for sure. Um, or you can let me know two or three months in advance. Um, right now, if, if anybody's interested, um, July is open. August is kind of open. And then September is we've got some opening dates. So you said for when me and you were talking last week, you said that you loved working with designers and you love collaborating. So is it best to have, to bring you on, maybe the designer has some ideas, but then to bring you on into the ideation process, or are you good with like a story that's already created and then you're just flushing out the story? Like you're really putting in the details and things like that. So what's your ideal? It depends. So like in the creative world, um, we're all a little bit sensitive and we're all the best, right? So um, all that being said, if you're wanting me to come in and help to work on that entire vision, you let me know, right? Or if you say, hey, this is what we want, flesh it out. I'm happy to serve that client in any capacity, right? And I know when to step back and I know my role. Um, but the best videos we work on, so Lim, the video for Lim will launch at the end of this month, right? Mm -hmm. um, and they said, hey, all they said was we want a video to celebrate 35 years in business and we want it to double kind of as a like, this is what we're gonna, this is who we are video. Right. Um, the rest of it was left up to me. Um, the video we just did for Southcrest Christian School was a video that uh, they said, we just want it to be a recruitment tool to get kids to enroll in our school. And so I wrote a script then did all of it and sent it over to them. They made some tweaks and then we got it all done. It's always a collaborative process. Um, but I love working with designers always for the most part is they never take themselves too incredibly seriously. Mm. Right. There's always in my experience, everyone is, is pretty laid back and pretty open to that conversation. Um, sometimes with people that own big businesses or something like that, they don't care. They don't want to talk to you, but in the design community, like everyone's pretty fun. I haven't met a designer that I didn't think was fun to be around. I have met some filmmakers that I'm like, oh my gosh, like let's let's, let's do something else. But um, I've never met a designer that I don't like. That so there's that. So let's end with this. So what are three pieces, three things that you would tell somebody wanting to start their business not to do? Um, I would say don't have a fear of sales and don't have a fear mm -hmm. of self promotion. Um, mm -hmm. I had a conversation today this morning is this dude walked into an entrepreneur class at, at college and he said, all right, by show of hands, who here wants to work in sales? And like two people open their hand, like raise their hands. And then he said, by show of hands, who all wants to own their own business? And they all raised their hand. And he said, well, the only two people that are going to succeed are the ones that want to be sales guys. And so, I know that we live in a world where at least where I'm at, there has to be some sense of false modesty. There has to be some sense of like humility. It's like, I don't want to show off what I'm doing, whatever. It's what people are going to buy from you. So like show it <laughs> off and figure out a way to do that. That's not like just obnoxious. Um, and so don't be afraid of sales. Don't be afraid to market yourself and you really need to market yourself a lot. And then finally I would say, um, 
one third thing not to do is um, don't spend all your money. <laughs> okay. Um, so what, what would, what would be three you, things? Uh, oh, sorry. Say the last one again. No, just uh, don't spend all your money before you pay. Okay. 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 Can you so, hear me? Yep. Don't, I got it. Don't, don't spend all your money before you pay your taxes. Like that's, ooh, that's a miserable, miserable thing. Um, so yeah, the, so the three things that I would tell people to do, mm-hmm. um, celebrate every small victory, mm-hmm. every single one. Like I set my website up today. I met with a client for the first time. My first client, it doesn't matter if it's $5 logo, dude, like celebrate every one of those. I guarantee you it will propel you forward. Um, uh, another really good thing to do. I'd say it's just network, get in the community. And I understand that that's not easy for everybody. Mm-hmm. That's not something that everybody gets to do. And I, I like, I could talk to a wall for an hour and a half. Um, but that's not everybody. Um, but put yourselves in those situations to where you are not comfortable. Um, because you will grow and you will find success. Um, do not be afraid to make friends. And I guess the third one would be hire a good accountant. Like, I mean, and I know that's like boring and it's not motivational, but like my accountant has has come in so clutch for me. But I also say this, like I talked about earlier, going in very blind, right? And ignorant um, and not knowing how much like I didn't know. Um, And I would, I would, I would, if I had to go, would relive these three years again, the same way I would. Hmm. Uh, Because going in, ignorant if you go in ignorant and you're cynical you won't work if you go in ignorant and you're hopeful then everything kind of works out um one of my best friends we talk about being able to like weigh that cynicism versus like hopefulness Mm -hmm. um and i've found myself in so many good situations just because of being hopeful and showing up um and showing my willingness to be there than i ever would then i have where it's like oh that's not gonna work out right have you ever have you ever read the a book or seen any of the studies on grit? Angela Duckworth is um, she's a researcher. She's a psychologist researcher, and I don't know where she teaches, but um, she and maybe Harvard. I don't know. Anyway, she wrote a book about grit, and I believe Daniel Pink referenced her study in his book um, uh, Drive. And she, ta- I'm listening to the book again, and she talked to this, they did a study about rats and not baby rats, but adolescent rats. And they did this thing where they were able to actually get out of um, a hard situation when they were younger, that it, when a hard situation arrived later in their life, they were able to get through it. And they'd done some studies with kids like from age 14 to age 19 or 18 or something like that. And it seems like if they have had success or they have seen success, been able to have success in their lives, winning little wins, right? And seeing that I can do that instead of just saying, so it's kind of like the being able to look at that, uh, not making the basketball team as a positive. I think it's one of your superpowers. And I totally am with you on that. But I think that you had grit from being a kid. You saw what had happened you saw that you could make a difference if you did A, B, or C. And then you saw when you did A, B, or C that you made a difference in your life or you could change the direction. And then that those things, it's really interesting. You may like that book, but it talks about how grit is the most important 
uh, determining factor for success. It's not your the best grades. It's not the people who are the strongest physically. It's literally you um, having have gone through something. The people who weren't always the best at things and they had to work hard, that those people tend to be more successful traditionally. Anyway, neat, neat book. Just so you know. Sorry, my glasses are killing me. I'm listening to every word you're saying. No, I know. I I, I, to I totally understand. Mine get that way too. So I want to make sure everybody can um, follow you and get in touch with you if they want. They can always get you at Wilson at Lemieux Company. I mean, Lemieux.company, not a dot com. We're just Lemieux.com. I've actually. I put it in the oh, chat, so I'm good. good I'm going to spell um, Lemieux just in case anybody's listening on iTunes. It's L-E-M-I-E-U-X dot company. So um, reach out to Wilson like that. You guys can find him at www.lemieux.company. And then you guys can also find him on Vimeo. The I'm going to put all of their um, the Vimeo links if I can. Get this um, on Twitter and um, Instagram. You are on Twitter. You're Wilson Lemieux and Wilson and Lemieux Company. And then on Instagram, you're Wilson Lemieux and Lemieux Company. And then on Facebook, it's Lemieux Company. So that way, people will be able to get with you. And I am putting that in the chat. All these will be in the show notes as well. And then the video that was the boring as hell video, um, I'm going to put again down here if people want to watch that. And they can also see that on your on your Vimeo channel as well. So um, is there anything else, like a, a good way for people, if they wanted to contact you, um, you said you're really good on social, but, it, but email is the best way for people to contact you? I mean, they can call me if they want. I don't care. I don't know if I'll <laughs> answer it. But um, yes, like email me at any time, any day, like Instagram, uh, direct message. I think that's happened so rarely that I'm probably forced to pay a little bit more attention to that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but email, um, anyway, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of that. Yeah. Just reach out. I'm, I'm pretty talkative fella. I don't know if we'll be talking for like an hour, like we have today. Um, right. or I guess an hour and some change, but, um, I'm happy to talk about anything, everything. It doesn't have to be about video or hiring me either. Like, um, anything like that. I'm happy to talk about it. It's, it's just a lot of fun for me. So, well, I want to make sure that everybody can definitely go and watch some of the other videos y'all have done. I love the behind the scenes. I'm glad you guys published that and I'm excited for where you go. I can't wait to have you on in another three years after you have three more years <laughs> under your belt. And I'm really excited. I love having people on that really have a lot of hope and share that and also are super positive, even though things haven't always gone. Um, just super smooth that you just didn't give up. And I feel like you set yourself up for success by not leaving, not, not being afraid to fail, not being able to fail on the way, but it wasn't going to be one failure wasn't going to close your business. And I think that that's a really great way to be. Well, thank you, Diane. Anytime. And if you guys want to get in touch with me, you can always email me at diane at rechargingyou.com. And then you can always check out the website at rechargingyou.com as well and all the old Design Recharge episodes. Next week, we will be finishing our conversation with Ian Paget, who has built the community of Logo Geek and has been doing, has gone from full-time uh, working for somebody else to part-time working for that company and then part-time doing 
his own making logos for businesses all over. He's based in the UK. We had him on a couple weeks ago and we're going to finish that conversation. We're also going to talk about some of the things that we talked about after the show, um, which has to do with uh, the anxiety and depression and um, all the things that go into that can hold us back from and Ian's really gotten a lot of help and he's really worked through and he has an amazing uh, story in that. So we're going to talk about that live next week. So I hope you guys will join us and stick around because we're going to show a little off the not recorded video. So hang out just a second. And then if you're not on, if you're watching this um, not live, then we'll see you next week.